and welcome to Your Property Podcast. Today is the 21st of January 2021. My name is Michelle Cairns. I'm your host for the podcast. And with us with you, we have got Steve Jacob. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you doing? Great to have you. So Steve is the co-founder and CEO of At Fabric Property Group, which provides leading property service, leading property investment services, including sourcing highly profitable sites for developers and property management and consultancy for businesses with a turnover of in excess of 10 million. So Steve, from a young age, has been involved in construction and he moved into the city to work as a broker. Um, I actually met Steve for the first time. Uh, funny enough, Steve, it's actually almost two years to the day that uh, we met at Property Elevator um, on Sky TV, the property channel there. So uh, that's uh, it, it's funny how, you know, paths cross in the property world. It really is. So um, talk to us about your, you know, a bit about your journey and, you know, what you're, let's start with what you're up to at the moment, because I know uh, you deal with options and in lots of different scenarios. And um, for people who, I think options are one of those strategies where, people kind of understand it. It takes them a while to get their head around how it works. And I know it's very commonplace in commercial, in the commercial world, but actually in residential, people just have not heard of it and then they don't understand how it works. Um, but they're quite simple really, once, once you get your head around it, aren't they? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more um, with the fact that they are really, really simple. And um, I was confused when I first got into property, um, my business partner had gone on a course and he was sitting there, he went on this options course and it was a two-day course and he was trying to explain to me what an option was and I, I couldn't get it at all. Like, it, it was uh, it was really tough and then I went on a course myself. I paid £400 for it and this course was like a condensed course where the guy was just firing all different strategies and then obviously, you know, the, the end of the 400 day was I'll buy my £5,000 uh, whatever. But in this £400 course, he got to the part to talk about options and he literally said, you know, an option is an agreement made between two people and then them terms are written on paper and given to a solicitor. And he summarised it like that in such a simple form that I just got it straight away. Um, and then from then on going forward, I basically used it, that exact strategy. You know, if, if I'm speaking to someone and we just off air spoke about a deal that I'm, I'm doing at the moment... I'm speaking to someone, I'm trying to find out their problem uh, because in property, the majority of good deals uh, come in the form of there's some sort of problem with the person um, and I'll listen to them. And then I'll try to create a heads of terms that is win-win for both of us. So, you know, they might need to sell something quickly for a certain price. And, you know, I'll, I'll basically sit there and write the terms out that Matt, match what they want but also match what I want and get the deal done quickly because if you do an option on a property you can save a lot of costs you know if someone wants to sell something quick and you end up going on a bridge you've got to factor all them costs in your you know in your purchasing purchasing cost where and most of the time we just get an option and flip it that's that's our, our business model uh, and because we've got 5,000 people on our database uh, that are all investors we, we flip things pretty quick so, yeah, I agree. Um, and it is funny you say about, you know, it's two years ago now. 
and how your paths do good. Property is a smaller industry than you initially think when you get in, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, and it, you know, it's, just, you know, cringy to say it's all about who, you know, not what, you know, obviously you need to know what you're doing as well, but it, it's, it's an industry where if you have some great connections and connections over time and you build up that relationship, the trust, the credibility, actually, um, as I'm sure you're in the position where the deals come to you, you don't have to go out chasing them. You don't have to uh, sit on right move all day trying to, yeah. trying, to trying to work something out. Um, I'm sure you get the, the leads coming to you. So it, it pays off big time to have connections, doesn't it? Oh, like 100%. I mean, one of the first things that, I, I really took note of when I got into property is there's two P's in property. One of them is property and the, and the other is people. And um, you're right, you know, prior to the COVID-19 scenario, um, my phone would ring daily with a variety of deals. And I'll be honest, when you work with someone for so long, if they offer you a deal, because they've got to know you the way you work, nine times out of 10, it is a deal because they don't want to waste their time bringing things you keep saying no. Yeah. And um, and it, it just gets easier. Since COVID-19, it's been really strange. I mean, my my agents up north are, you know, things are coming in and, and going above asking. Um, I, th- I even think that's happening in, in a, a lot of areas in the south. Um, so deals have been pretty scarce. But, you know, it's feast or famine gone for a, you know, a few months of not being able to find a deal. And then all of a sudden, in the last few days, I've had like four or five land on my desk and they all look like they work. So um, that's just part of the business. Happy days. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a different type of income stream. You know, it's not a reoccurring income like a, you know, like the profit from a HMO, for example. It's, you know, it's a type of business that's like sourcing in a way where you're sourcing it on. Um, to other people and obviously if you've got your list of your database there of investors that process sounds pretty easy once it's all set up and you've got that reputation you've got uh, people just sitting there waiting for them and um, so how do you match the deal to the right person because and, and, and I'd like your opinion on this what do you think is a is a great deal because you know sources sometimes get a bad rep because they bring all sorts of quote-unquote rubbish to the table of this isn't a deal but actually I was speaking to someone yesterday and I said well he had this deal it wasn't for me but I said to him do you know what someone will buy this it's not gonna be me but someone will buy it because for most uh property is an investment and the likelihood is you're going to get a better return than the bank so what is a great deal for you and how do you match the deal with the investor that's a great question um so the market's changed, uh, you know, a deal four years ago, like my, my honey pot is Blackpool, you know, I know it inside out, I know every single road, Preston as well to a degree, Manchester, Liverpool, I can sort of spot a, a, something at a good price, but the market's changed, you know, property is more popular at the moment, that could be the sign of a, um, you know, potentially a bubble. Um, but property is really popular at the moment and people are paying more than they were four or five years ago. Like, you know, the yields we we used to have to, to sell something, we would have to sell it four years ago at 15% or 14% gross yield, um, uh, which would net out at probably eight or nine. Now um, we could, you know, 12% gross, 11%, 10% gross will fly off the shelf. Um, and you've got two sort of categories of investors. You've got, the sort of 
really highly educated investor, knows their stuff inside out. Um, that guy is usually really open to JVs, bridging, um, loves flipping, loves planning, loves planning risk. That sort of higher, um, more experienced. Uh, so they're not going to get. <laughs> they're not going to get our bed for like less than thirty percent ROI, right? Yeah, and and they're very. Um, uh, they know their apples, you know, so um, they keep you on your toes. I much prefer them as a business partner when going into a JV. And then you get your sort of investor that's maybe newer or someone maybe just passive, like, you know, fully managed, take it. You know, I'm going to carry on. We've got a couple of pro uh, professional uh, cricket players. My business partner's been talking to doctors, stuff like that. And we actually tell them, you know, focus on your profession have property as a pension. Buy newer property, brand new if you have to. If that is the pure reason for, is for passiveness, yeah. secondary market, buy, do up and refinance isn't for you because, yeah. because there are hurdles. And if you're, you're taking your profession very seriously, you know, if your builder doesn't show up to work one day, um, that effect, that's going to affect your professional life. So, you find you've got these two investors and then you've obviously got investors in the middle. So, you know, someone offered me a hotel the other day. It seemed just so ridiculously cheap. You know, I'd probably go to one of our high net worth investors, ask them to secure it. We'll obtain planning to turn it to service departments or residential, and then we'll flip it and we'll bust, you know, whatever profit. So we sort of work across the spectrum. And in answer to your question, whatever deal we get, we put it into uh, production with the marketing team and over years, rather than have to answer the question, we put the answer in the marketing material. Right. We get valuations, we get builders quotes, we get, you know, uh, estate agents valuations, rental valuations, because it's guaranteed that we put it out to the market and then questions are going to get asked. So rather than them questions, we'll get it all together. I'll put it in like a Dropbox send it out and i think what makes us not i don't want to say better we're probably a bit more experienced like we we do actually give the investor everything we know they're going to ask for yeah. so you know some sources we just chuck an address at you and you know if you're an investor that doesn't know the town or you know doesn't know anything about the location you're limiting your market to someone who knows that area yeah you know what i mean if if, if you're just putting an address out there with a purchase price refurb refinance you know, and that's it. You're limiting yourself to someone who actually knows, because no one's just going to believe you. You're limiting yourself to someone who actually knows that or someone that's prepared to, a, a lot of investors are lazy as well. Yeah. They just want it all on a plate for them. So that's that's what we've found uh, works for us. Okay. And what's the criteria for the investors to get on your database? Pretty easy, to be honest. We market, we've got quite a large marketing budget um, and we're pretty much, you know, Facebook ads, Google, um, and, and we, we just, our goal is to just keep filling the database. If someone's interested in property, whether they're 16 years old or 60 years old, they're interested in property, they can grab one of our guides, um, they can call us up. Like we've got a policy, we talk about it all the time in the company. We're not bothered if we sell someone something today. If someone rings and wants some advice, you know, we'll get, you know, all the staff know, give someone 100%. Uh, of your time and attention because you know with the hope that maybe one day they'll come back and be a customer at a later date so um you know i've actually had calls with you know kids as young as 12 13 uh, 
I know. And I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. And um, so there's, do you qualify the investors to get on the list or is it just, you know, join the list if you see something and you can, you know, uh, and you want it and you can pay for it, then happy days. Yeah, so pretty much uh, marketing goes out. We get response. We have started to have a huge amount of time that can get wasted with people who are not going to buy. So what we're putting in place now is an application process for certain deals. So you'll click on the deal. It'll take you to, I don't know how far off this is from being fully completed, but it'll click into an application process. You'll fill in, you know, how much money you've got or risk tolerance and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it will just say, sorry, you're not suitable for this one or someone will give you a call. So we are putting that protein because as your database gets, when your database is smaller and you've got more time and less deals, you'll talk to anybody because someone might lead someone else. But as it gets bigger, um, you do need the application process. Yeah, I understand that. And what about the deals? Do you qualify the deals in any way? So obviously to make the list, is it you think that you just put anything, not anything, but um, if there's a potential deal to be had there or is it much stricter? Okay, it has to meet certain criteria, certain ROI, certain, certain yield. I'd say that we're a lot more strict on the deal um, because like literally I could have... I could have a hundred properties on the books at the moment um, and that wouldn't be a problem. You know, I could ring around a multitude of contacts and just fill it up with a load of off market stuff that someone wants to sell for more money than it's worth. Because most, most deals, someone's trying to achieve more money than it's worth because they've spoken to an estate agent, the estate agent's given them a value. um, And as soon as you say less than that value, they feel like you're taking money out of their pocket. Um, So yeah, there is a strict criteria really. Um, we will analyze the deal and like I say, the market's changed a bit, but we'll analyze the deal and the database will actually tell you as time goes on, the database will tell you where the appetite is. So prior to COVID, there was a lot of appetite in land development, commercial conversions. Post COVID, there's been uh, less demand for that and a lot of demand for income producing stock you know, just instantly income producing, which is so it says to me that the market wants to take their cash and turn it into cash flow. Um, so right now we are, I mean, we're still looking at commercial conversions and land developments, but the offers are lower because we know the demand's lower. Um, and we uh, are probably paying more than we were prior to COVID for income producing stock. Um, and putting, you know, option prices higher on that sort of stock. So your database tells you what the market is uh, looking for. Okay. So um, uh, do you, when you're getting the properties in, the deals in, is that through marketing mainly? Or is that through word of mouth? Is that through existing investors? Where did, how, if you had to put a percentage on it, how much do you get, for example, from Facebook ads of people coming to you with, with their property deal? So we've got two arms. So one arm sells brand new properties from developers, sometimes off plan, sometimes completed. And we looked at that market and noticed that that market was really, really grey. It was a very grey area. There were sales companies selling stuff that just were never going to get built, you know, um, whether they believed it or the developer was. We we just looked at because we had the experience. So we said, right, that's a market we could definitely bring value to. So we that market, 
we will call around developers or, you know, my business partner's been in the industry for 12 years. He'll, he'll see things pop up on his LinkedIn. He'll call the developer. Um, he'll say, would you like us to be an agent for your property? If they say yes, it will then go to, to the due diligence team where we'll look at the uh, developer's track record, their company house, uh, land registry. We'll ask for funding proof and we'll go through the due diligence to make sure that we believe that that property is 100% going to get built and deliver the promises that the investor um, gets promised in the uh, market material given by the developers. Um, and, you know, today we've picked up some great, uh, we, we're working with some great developers um, and that's going really well. And, you know, you get a lot of working professionals in that side that we don't believe are suitable for the secondary market um, purely because, I mean, you know, Michelle, you've been in this game a long time now as well. It's, um, it can be a tough market. And if you've got a profession that you're really focused on and you're really happy on, problems coming at you that can come up in property, poor management, poor builders, you know, things going wrong, high maintenance. That is not what a working professional needs. Now, on the other side, um, uh, where we're working with high net worth, sophisticated investors and, you know, slightly probably people that have got a bit more time to put into property. Yeah, them deals come via relationships, really. Um, I've been on a course before with Jamie York at Progressive Property, and uh, he really blew me away with how he, he sources deals through Facebook ads. It's just not something I've ever right. needed to do or, yeah. or done. But I can definitely see if you're, if you're not. I mean, I, I'm I'm a networker. That's 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 my skill. If you're not, if you haven't got that skill, then there's definitely other ways to find property. And you know, uh, Facebook ads and stuff probably really do work. Okay, so uh, talking through the process, someone comes along and they've got a property. They want to get rid of it now. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree the option. The, the way it's the options are packaged it's not for everybody because people who need the money right now did you do the short term are they all short-term options or long-term like five years no so some are really short term so right okay um someone will need money quick yeah right, i don't okay. want to put it on a bridge i don't want to put it i do the fight we do the longer ones as well but someone wants money quick now i one of the things I pride myself on is if I market a property to my database, I do not want the sellers to pull out. Yeah. Because yeah. that is painful and yeah. the investors put a lot of time and effort in and they might start the solicitor process. And if the seller pulls out on me, then, um, then I look, well, we look as a company really, really bad. Right. So I'll stick like one or two month option on it. Right. And I'll say, look, Give me two months. It will complete by the, the final date of the option. But then I know they can't, you know, because right, within the option okay. it says, yeah, within the option it says they can't mess me about. They must require respond to inquiries in a timely fashion. If I'm progressing at a, a sensible pace, they must progress. So that if they were to pull out, I've got a contract that says they, sh they shouldn't have done that and I can pursue them or, or whatever, which has never happened. Um and I'll just say, please sign that. It's an exclusivity option. And then within two days, it'll be fully marketed and we'll probably have a buyer on it within you know, a couple of weeks and be completed within the eight-week period. In the event someone needs money within a week, we can do that. Um, but the offer's usually low. And then, well, the offer's what we would have put on the option minus all the bridging costs. And uh, you know, we'll take six months bridging interest off. 2% arrangement fee, legals, 
So it just makes the offer. We don't put more margin on them. We just strip out all of the the risk, and you know we can pick up the phone and get in money off an investor in two to three days if needed. Okay. Uh, get search indemnities and stuff like that. So you're using the option agreement as a lockout agreement, then? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know if it's a planning option, it'll be subject to planning, um, and then on receipt of planning, we'll give ourselves a window to complete the pro- on the property. When we sign the option, we then begin to market the property because we've already know it's going to get planning. We we don't really take a risk on planning. We've already got the 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 evidence that it's going to get it. So we um, we're marketing it from the day we put in for planning. So we've got then a three month period to sell it, and then on receipt of planning, usually within a, a couple of weeks, the investor takes takes it out. Right. And I mean, you- it sounds easy, but you do have <laughs> problems where you don't meet and you need to get a bridge and, you know, all, all the stuff that happens. But that's the theory. Right. And are they are they happy with the agreement that you've provided? Obviously, you've got it drawn up by a solicitor already, but do they need their own solicitor? And how does that work with the actual legality of the contracts? Well, you must always, always advise them to get their own solicitor to yeah. look at it. Because if you don't, it can be construed in a court of law as, uh, you know, a, a non-viable contract. If you advise them to do it, and we do it in bold, so they can't say they skimmed over, we don't small print it, please do get a solicitor to look over this and make sure, you know, you're 100% happy prior. Um, then, then we've never had to use, you know, false as such. So yeah. it's never gone that route, but it's there. And that's the advice our solicitors give us in the event of, um, and, you know, we've missed option dates before. And the good thing about property and one bit of advice I'd say to anybody out there, just, you know, if something's not quite going in your way, pick up the phone and talk to the people yeah. involved. You know what I mean? I've, I've found the honesty uh, and, you know, if something's going to be delayed or there's going to be a problem, you know, just just, just, just talk to the, to the people involved. If you're coming up to the end of your bridge and you're not going to refinance in time, get an extension. Don't just wait a week before because you're going to get a penalty. Yeah. Uh, if you tell them two months before, you might get a two-month extension and it's not too bad. And I think so many people um, come up against a problem and just bury their head. And that's yeah. the worst thing I think you can do. I think you're right. And especially in the property industry where there's so much kind of behind closed doors, you know, you're dealing with solicitors, you're dealing with like lenders and, and every and you can't see where they're up to and what they're doing. You know, you can't sit on the phone, you, you try not to nag them, but you know, you there's there's just such a lack of transparency. So if you can provide that with your investors, I think it just stands out a mile just to say, This is where we're up to, this hasn't gone to plan, but this is what we plan to do with it. You know, are you okay with that? I think it um, it makes such a difference. It's so hard to find a solicitor that will one hundred percent tell you the truth all the time. <laughs> and they're not they're not they're not. Um, I don't think they're like dishonest, unethical people. But you'll ring them and say, "Oh, did you get round to doing that?" And they instantly they haven't done it, but they can't say they haven't done it. So they'll say they've done it, and then you'll say, oh, "Okay, brilliant. Can you?" send it over just, you know, a bit of evidence, you know, because we know, we all know what happens. And then like that evidence comes two days later when they pull their socks up and do it. Um, solicitors are the bane of a property trader's life, if I'm honest. Um, and it, it, it is either the um, conveyancing solicitor or it might be the funding companies conveyancing solicitor. 
But I think what makes we sell a lot of properties to overseas invest overseas investors. I think they that's what makes our country stand out as a good asset for an overseas investor because we do have that layer of protection in our law system. So okay. And how about your personal portfolio? Because obviously you must be seeing some incredible deals come across the table, uh, a bit like a kid in a you know a sweet shop. <laughs> what? How do you do? You, have you kind of got your portfolio now and, and it's just ticking along, or you know every now and then one comes along and you think, okay, uh, I'll take this one first and then and keep hold of uh, the the juicy ones. Yes, yes. Oh, do you know what? Right, it was funny because that conversation was being had around the table yesterday with a client of mine who who asked, you know, do we keep all the juicy ones? And and uh, we've got about forty five buy to lets and small commercial assets. We've got about three empty at the moment, which is great. We've got no arrears. Um, which is great, um, but we do we're holding on to a piece of land in our overall portfolio, which is a bit pain, you know, paying the interest on the loan and the insurance. But luckily, I mean, with that, just while we're touching on that, you know, luckily I'm with a really good bank. I bank with Handels Banking. They see that I was in pain and I was paying bridging interest on something. This was post COVID, and they offered me a two-year interest-only loan to pull that piece land into the portfolio and uh, i didn't ask because i really didn't think they'd do it they offered um and 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 that was that was you know i was just that was brilliant because i don't think any other bank would have done that um they spotted that i was in pain and 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 you know offered a offered a hand to help um but yeah so i've got these 45 and you know yesterday i got offered um well over the few last few weeks there's a uh, someone's got a problem and they've got eight flats um, and these eight flats are fully occupied. Um, I personally wouldn't spend much money on them unless a tenant moved out. Uh, I think, I can't remember. What, I worked out like the eight flats were like, I don't know. Oh God. I'm just going to make these numbers up, but they're going to be relatively close. They would about 40K in income a year. So one freehold with with the flats inside so they're not split there was two blocks right. one were five one were three same owner distress um and i say 40k roughly and we worked out that the loan the interest on the loan so not the capital repayment the interest on the loan would would cost like five grand a year or something so this after maintenance cost this is like just a 30 grand a year like cash machine yeah. um and I just looked at it and I thought, oh, I could so just just keep that. But there was probably about £60,000 worth of instant profit to flip it instantly. Right. And, um, you know, in a normal environment, when deals are happening and there's lots of money flowing in, you'd probably kept them. But in this environment, when my main concern isn't my own personal portfolio, it's my staff yeah. and making yeah. sure they stay in a job, you know, trading that is is something we're seriously considering so that deal will go out to market i mean it won't be as good a deal as it has come to me because i need to put a margin on it but you know someone will get a fantastic deal there where it's instantly operating and um you know it'll be better than their money being in the bank so so sometimes you do see you have and i I look back as well at some of the deals i've sold and think oh god (laughs) it's just it's just part of the game yeah absolutely well it's just the the business model isn't it you know just uh 
a different type of profit. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, and then sometimes I've, um, sometimes it's gone the other way around where I've flipped a piece of stock that I thought was an absolute belter and the developers got in and with, you know, especially commercial conversions, you start pulling back the, the facade and, and things are, you know, going wrong all over the place. Yeah. So I've had ones where I've had, you know, near misses where developers started pulling back and they've had to change floorboards or there's been problems. And, and, and I've been on the other side of that where it's looked great and then I've pulled back the walls and, you know, loads of problems have occurred. And midway through builds, uh, the council, I don't know if you guys, you, your viewers might know this, but when you're developing now, a lot, well, my, I know the Blackpool Council, they want a, a skin of insulation on every external wall. I think that's right. been around for about the last year and a half. But I was caught up in doing a deal just as this changed and 20 odd grand went on my wow. my bill cost out of nowhere. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly, and, and you know, unless you're playing it safe with the kind of single lets just ticking over every month, you know, the, the bigger profits come with bigger risks, don't they? So, um, and more unknowns. So you have to have d- deeper pockets there for the contingencies. It's, it's, it's like, if I was to go back to my uh, start again, you know, investing isn't supposed to be exciting and risky, really. Like professional investors don't really take risk. You know, Warren Buffett does not put money into a company, uh, a startup. He just doesn't do it. You know, the company's got to have been operating. He's got to be buying it below fair value. And he's probably got a bit of a boring life. You know, he probably gets up every day, reads for eight hours, finds one deal a year, and he's worth 50-odd billion quid. You know, if you're that type of person, you're going to do really well at investing. You know, you 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 plod along and you buy one single let and then another and then another. And before you know it, you've got 100, then you've got 200. Then, then you might take a risk and buy a block to turn into six flats. But... You're not taking like risk. A lot of professional investors want income producing yeah. uh, fast. But what sort? Of, you know, for me, that's boring. I, I like the uh, I like the the options and the, the fast paceness of trading property and planning game. Um, but yeah, single lets is probably as a, for for an investor probably one of the best strategies. I mean, I would never turn down a cheap single let ever. Right. And yeah, I uh, I heard someone once and they, they called their property company D and B properties. It's like dull and boring. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just to remind yeah. them every day that it's not about the fun, exciting stuff. That's uh you know, that's where the stock markets are up and down, up and down by the minute. But you know, the idea is that you you're investing for the long term for, for most people, for that pension part, for that retirement, for the for the ongoing reoccurring income ideally so um yeah okay and in terms of the the type of are you seeing any trends i know you mentioned more about before about the uh reduction in the land and commercial units but actually within the residential market uh the types of deals that you're coming across or you have come across since covid have they changed in any way or hundred percent. Like, you know, people are happy now. Single let, you know, showing a, you know, seven or eight percent yield is, will fly out. It, it will right. fly out. It's crazy. You know, I used, I was picking up single lets at 12% uh, gross yields. And, um, you know, the days of, well, especially in, in, in the Northwest, the days of 50 grand houses seem to have gone. Um, and that's another gutter. You just, 
But I think they'll come back. I do think, you know, sadly, I think that um, the furlough scheme is going to end. Um, that's going to create a wave of unemployment, which will have a knock-on effect with pretty much all of the investment markets. And um, I'm poised. I've never actually been for a recession. Um, then that's another thing, you know, the educators out there, some of them are, one of the reasons why I've, I've, I've stayed back from going into education is because I think to, to actually educate, you, you should really have lived through a tough recession, um, you know, because it's all right giving advice in a good economy, but I think you should be able to, I mean, my, my mentors have all lived through recessions um, and they've all told me in this, you know, this upcoming one, I mean, literally as COVID hit, drop your expenses, personal business, bear down, stay away from, you know, taking taking risks, you know, um, any risk you do take, make sure you can mothball, keep your eye out for the income producing stuff. And, and, and I think that that, you know, in answer to your question about the market changing, yeah, it is, it's definitely, uh, it, it's the psychology of people changes, but I think markets are psych psychological. Um, there is a confidence game. And if, you know, confidence drops, demand drops, values drops. But at the moment, it's really strange. Like all these incentives that the government give have created this sort of euphoria. And yeah. I, th I don't think anybody would have predicted that property prices would go up as much as they have. No. In it, yeah. Watch prices. I know watch dealers, car prices, used cars. You know, my used car I bought four months ago, I rang up the dealer yesterday, and it's worth the same money as what I paid for it four months ago. And, uh, you know, I was expecting like, you know, three or four grand in depreciation. Um, so I think it's just a really crazy market. And I think we will not see the full, um, the full, you know, market unfold until, until the end of the furlough scheme. But yeah. that's that, I think that's for the professional investors, um, you know, if you're looking, if you've got money in the bank and you're a working professional and you're getting your savings and they're eating away, you know, property is still a great investment. It's still a great investment to put your money in now in a good economy, bad economy. Don't look at the values. Just look at the long term. Um, look at the cash flow over the long term and the compounded interest side of it. Yeah, a lot of people are waiting for the crash <laughs> and they're sitting there waiting and waiting um, they've been waiting all last year for it and it, it never happened. So how are you, are you expecting a big crash? Are you preparing for, it, for that in any way? Yeah, I mean, um, like, I'm not rushing out. Uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, I think you do this naturally, but I'm really trying to keep my head, look at property prices as I've always done. Um, maybe offer a little bit lower uh, definitely on that. Again, li listening to the database, if I think I can sell something, then sort of weigh that up. Um, I, I am expecting um, there to be a crash in regards to the secondary market. Um, I think the, I don't think developers are working on very big margins at the moment, new build developers. I don't think they're working on large margins. So for them, I don't think they can drop their, prices that much to what they're built, you know, paying for the land and they're building at. But, you know, I think Simon Zucci did a video on um, 
the fact that we've got the, t- the, the, the end of the tax now where, you know, uh, people who yeah. didn't incorporate in a company are now getting heavily taxed. I think that's going to definitely yeah. factor in, in, again, in the secondary market. So I don't think we can time it. I think the government, you know, I do think they're going to extend the stamp duty, uh, yeah, the stamp yeah. duty incentive. And I think they're going to probably incentivize furlough, uh, extend furlough again. Or some to, sort of thing. Have to do something. Yeah, and that just keeps us all yeah. in sports. What they're actually doing is dumping loads of currency into the market, which will show up later in inflation. Yeah. You, you know, they're taxed. It's a form of tax. You don't see it. They're not taking the money directly out of your wages. They're taking it from your purchasing power. And that's the difference. Well, we'll uh, have to watch this space and see what happens. I think that's a good place to wrap up. So, uh, really appreciate your time and uh, the other place obviously we've been connecting at the moment is uh, Clubhouse been seeing you re- been seeing you regularly in uh, some of the groups there yeah yeah so, um, my uh, friend put me on there Ashley he's loving it honestly he's loving it he's literally I mean the organic growth's fantastic so for anyone out there that isn't on it get on it it's fantastic platform yeah and he runs the uh the morning sessions half to six breakfast with winners i think so uh, yeah. I, i've seen you there a couple of times so that's one place people can uh connect with you but where else is uh where can people connect with you as the best place for people to find out about your database either they've got a deal or they are an investor yeah i mean you can just facebook message me i i, I do always get back to you it might take me a couple of days but always get back to all messages um you can go on our website fabricinvest.com or fabricpropertygroup.com put your details in um and someone from the team will give you a call back and we're a really tight team so if you come through to the wrong sort of area you know you'll be redirected to someone who can help anything property you know if you need finance if you're looking for deals if you're looking to sell deals you're a developer looking to sell your off-plan units or you know we love talking about property so fantastic well we look forward to watching your progress going forward and speaking to you again soon thanks very much for your time cheers michelle thank you take care take care and if you are not a subscriber to the magazine please click the link in the show notes and you will have access to the first magazine for free thanks very much and see you next time guys (laughs) 